meant to do this a month and a half ago. There was a whole big uh, announcement that we had to do back then, but whatever. Sorry about any background noise. I got a full house. Carlin's got a fridge behind him. But hey there, folks. Welcome back to LGB Terror. And just like your college case of oral herpes, we never do disappear for long. Today, we're going to fuck around and talk about Freddy vs. Jason in a uh, mostly unscripted format. But before we get around to doing that, I have a promotion to do and I have an artist to thank. On the promotional side of things, God, Alice, I am so sorry. I meant to do this months ago when you first contacted us, but within the last couple months, um, we had a lovely listener contact us over Instagram. Her name is Alice McKay. I'm going to be providing a link to her Instagram in the description below. She is a very accomplished 16-year-old transgender filmmaker. Carling, I hear your stomach growling. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, based in Australia. And she, uh, she recently completed shooting her first feature-length film, which is, as she describes it, a queer vampire drag queen film, which sounds pretty fucking awesome. She's also done work uh, co-writing, directing, and producing Tooth for Tooth, for, like the number, uh, which has received impressive critical acclaim. This girl's done more with her life in 16 years than I've done in a little bit over 20, and she deserves a lot of recognition for that. Um, I believe the film that Miss McKay currently has in post-production is called So Vam, like So Glam. So I recommend giving her Instagram a follow because there's a lot more information on her projects over there. You know, tuning into her work, getting excited with us as we look forward to everything that she creates in the years to come. You know, keep up the killer work, Alice. We'd love to hear from you again. And uh, what with the thanking, I know we already did this on Instagram too, but uh, we just want to toss out another thank you to Maddie, who is Hey Chickenan, 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 I don't fucking know, on Instagram who uh, drew us a fucking phenomenal piece of fan art that we're probably going to be using as a channel banner, if that's alright. You can find that over on our Instagram, too, and a link to both our Instagram and Maddie's will be in the description below as well. They are a fantastically talented artist and a very sweet person, so if you're listening to us right now, please give them a follow. They deserve I it. I love Maddie. I love Maddie. All that aside, uh, we want to talk about Freddy vs. Jason, specifically in regards to its treatment of black and female characters, as well as the homoerotic text and subtext between its titular villains. This will be, you know, emphasis on the tits. <laughs> but uh, this will be a critical analysis, and that will be covering some things that we definitely did not appreciate in this film. And we will be praising this movie. Uh, because for all of its faults, it's fucking Freddy vs. Jason. It kicks ass. It's entertaining as hell when the beasts are on screen. And we do genuinely enjoy this bloody mess of a movie. By no means is it sophisticated or even particularly respectful with a lot of the subject matter it handles, but it's fun. And, you know, you can always use more blood and more fun. Oh, yeah. So, Carling, Carling, sorry, my king, I know I've been talking for a long fucking time. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I want to hear some of your thoughts on this movie's treatment of women, uh, specifically our main girls, Gib, Kia, Lori. And from there, you know, maybe we can focus on Kia as a black protagonist and the unnecessary vilification of... Her trying to conform to white beauty standards, that's another stomach growl. And maybe talk a little about the sibling-like bond between Jason and Lori and how it's contrasted with Freddy's really fucking creepy treatment of her. I have my own thoughts on that, but I've been talking long enough and I'm sure we all want to hear your voice for a while instead. Yeah, hopefully we can hear my voice and not my stomach. I'm just going to be honest with the <laughs> audience. I was really excited to record this morning, so I kind of just jumped on the mic. I didn't eat anything, so next time I'm, I'm going to be sure to get a little bite to eat before I get on. Just start, start crunching pretzels right into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully my stomach's not going to do that a lot. No, it's alright. It's the, it's, the it's the shtick of the podcast. If it's not a dog, it's a gut. Yeah, there's always going to be something growling in the background. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, just my stance on the movie really quick before I get into the characters. It's uh, tying into what you said. This is one of those movies, and I think we have a number of those, where we know it's very flawed and very imperfect. But for a lot of horror fans, this was an introduction to horror because when it came out, there was so much hype around it. And a lot of us, uh, in our generation at least, we were young kids. We were, it, we were in like grade school, if not even further back than that in certain cases. Um, and it's really... But like as you get older, you start and you start watching other horror films. You start noticing all the problems with with it, especially once you go back and you watch the other Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street and see what those are like. But you can't really hate it 
just as a piece of your past, I guess, or at least that's how I feel about it. Like, I remember being, like, 13 years old and finding it on YouTube back when, you know, people could cut movies up into little bits and pieces and you could watch them like that. I don't know if anybody... I miss that. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> I, mi I miss the Daily Motion sort of style of old YouTube where you could watch a whole cartoon in, like, three-minute intervals. Yes, oh my god, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that was my experience with this movie, so it's just been part of my life for so long and I remember for when I was 15 I had friends over at, at my Halloween party and we watched that and everyone was like screaming and like it's it's this is this is just this movie is a really good bonding experience to watch with your friends I think whether or not you're a horror fan because you will inevitably choose a side between Freddy and Jason and by the time oh, yeah. they're fighting you're going to be like yelling at your tv and rooting for one of them to rip the other guy's arms off and shit. I I have a group of gays that I hang out with, uh, Lindsay, my love, who I hope that you're listening out there somewhere, and Jordan, my other love, uh, genuinely. I, I hung out with them, we got really high, and Lindsay hates horror movies, but we were sitting down and I turned on Freddy vs. Jason, we all had a fuck ton of fun with that, just totally blasted. I think we were eating, like, a whole bag of chili Doritos, it was fucking awesome. So that's the experience that you kind of think back on when you watch this movie, is either you're a little kid watching it and you're not supposed to be, or you're like a grown-ass man and with a bunch of other grown-ass adults and you're just smoking a doobie over it. But it's it's got that energy. Yeah, I remember uh, we had to do it digitally just because of where we all are on the globe. I remember last spring, uh, you and me and a big group of our friends also, we were sitting down and we were watching it. And we'll get into the specifics of this later. But I remember by the end of the movie, everyone was just screaming for, for, for uh, yeah. Freddy's blood. It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it, oh yeah, by the way, Carling and I, Carling's in Canada and I'm in Florida, so mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're on completely opposite ends. I know some people think that we're like roommates. No, that's why these episodes are spaced so far apart is because it's difficult to coordinate schedules when we're not around each other. Um, but today was a good day, so. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we can record more of these soon because Grendel and I have some really exciting ideas that what we might, maybe we'll get into at the end of the episode, maybe we won't. Spawn! 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 Bonnie. Oh my god. Right. Let's not talk about it right now. We're not going to be able to shut yeah, up about this it. The, this isn't the spawn episode. Oh yeah. Uh, um, but we might do a couple of those, but... Well, yes. We uh, we can talk about Gibbs' shitty boyfriend first. Oh yes. You know, Good starting uh, Jason, point. Jason seemed to recognize like the abuse that he was putting Gibb through. And, and you know, I know that the there's a sort of canonical, it's, it's debatably canonical, um, the notion that Jason's father, Eli Elias, Elias Borges. Elias, yeah, uh, like your lizard. Elias. Yeah, like my lizard is right next to me. If you hear skittering, that's him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I know that there's a debatable piece of canon where Jason's father was very abusive to Jason, but either way, Jason suffered a lot of abuse in his life. I'm sure that regardless of the type of it, he could recognize, you know, what that was. He left Gib alone, even though she was objectively in the more vulnerable. She was position. in the same was, room. Yeah, yeah. She was. She was in the shower. He could have easily gotten her, but he didn't. He went after her boyfriend and killed him in probably the most brutal way possible. And that was the opening to this movie. So I immediately knew I was gonna like it. Oh yeah, and Jason was. He he wasn't just killing him. He was like angry, angry. Like. It was brutal. It was like. Like I want, I want to see you suffer while you die. And, and it's like you guys damn, got. Shit. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, dude. No, I just keep uh, I just keep making expletives. It's all right. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys listening to this are familiar with the character of Jason Voorhees, but on the off chance you're not, because you know everyone's different. Jason is not a sadistic killer. That is Freddy's thing. Jason will chop your fucking head off and he'll leave and he'll leave you alone. Sometimes he'll get more creative, but that's yeah. not usually his shtick. So to see him doing that is like, oh shit. Yeah, because, like, Freddy's the one who enjoys... I think Freddy and Michael both, uh, you could you could make an argument that they enjoy what they're doing, or at least they're fascinated by it. You know, Jason has a sort of curiosity with death, but it's very surface level, and he doesn't really seem to understand a lot of the time the gravity of what he's doing, unless he's pissed. Like, there were a couple instances, I think it was uh, Friday the 13th Part 6? Part 7? The one that was the Carrie ripoff... Um, oh, yeah, the Kane Hodder introduction. I fucking yes, love that one. Gotta watch that again sometime. The, whatever one Kane Hodder was first in, uh, where there's that horrible, abusive fucking psychotherapist or whatever he is that was straight up gaslighting that girl into, like, thinking that she was fucking crazy and making her mother think she was crazy or whatever. I, I don't even remember, if I'm honest, what his intentions were. 
Um, but I do know that Jason comes at him with a fucking electrical saw and it was awesome. But you don't, you don't see him like relishing it a lot. But with that guy, he was watching his guts spill out and then he folded the bed over him and he did the little head tilt, I think. And he was like, hmm, yeah, you deserve that shit. And I'm like, damn, you got some morals in you. All right. Which we know he does. We know he has some morals. It's just like... That's important because Jason's morals end up becoming, like, a big highlight and a big, like, driving force of the movie's plot. And I know there are some horror fans who are like, oh, I don't like how much they soften Jason. And, I, okay, I understand that in some regards. Other movies did, uh, other movies softened him too, though. Yeah. I mean, Jason, Jason takes Manhattan for as much of a clusterfuck as that movie was. That was a very soft movie on his character. Exactly, and... I can kind okay, when I say I can understand where some people are coming from, we can get into the water phobia thing and how they handle that later. I get people, yeah. I get why people were pissed about that. I don't I didn't like that very much. Either. No, that was frustrating, actually. I don't think I don't think that I think if you were going to give Jason a phobia of drowning or a water coming over him from the top and you explained it that way, I would understand why he was scared of being submerged, like forcibly submerged, not by choice. Um, but just saying that it was just water in general, I'm like, that don't make no sense, though. <laughs> exactly, because we see him, like, hiding in water on other Friday the yeah. 13th. So that I understand people being pissed about, but just his actual characterization, I thought I thought that he was fine, and I'm really glad we got this movie because this was a very, this was a defining movie for a lot of Jason fans. Like, this was some people's first introduction to him, like it was mine, and it definitely shaped how I viewed his character going forward. Uh, I do. I don't want to forget about Gib though, because we're going to be talking a lot about Freddie and Catherine. Jason. Catherine. Catherine Isabel. Oh, Catherine Isabel is one of my favorite actresses, and she. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I I do in fact have a crush on her, and I, I probably always will. Who doesn't? Oh, she's the best. <laughs> Who doesn't? Oh my god. And I loved her in this movie. I thought she was hysterical. She basically plays like the party girl type, but she really. She really humanizes her, like, as much as she's able to in, like, her limited screen time. Like, Gren said, like, this girl clearly has, like, an abusive relationship going on, and it really does affect her, and she's dealing with, like, alcoholism, or at the very least, she's drinking to, like, cope with her problems. And I ended up feeling pretty bad for her, and I wish they, like, ex actually explored these issues more. Because Catherine's a really good actress, and she's still a big name in the horror community, and she was a really big name at the time, because she was, like, fresh off of Ginger Snaps, and that was, like, a big deal. So, to, like, have her and Robert England in the same movie together, and to, like, barely interact, and they don't even exchange, like, quips with each other, even though we know Catherine would have nailed that. Like, she's very- Oh, she would have delivered him. Yeah. yeah, she's very good at playing the snarky types. And they didn't really deliver in that regard. And every time I it, watch the movie, I kind of feel like we lost something there. It really seems to be a theme in this movie. Just like a recurring thing that happens uh, is that they really humanize a character or they really start to get somewhere with the commentary over a character, whether it's racial commentary, it's commentary on like, you know, feminism, it's queer commentary, doesn't matter. They get into like minority commentative space and they almost say something good, and then they kill off the character horribly. And it makes, it's, that's the part of this movie that really pisses me off, is it's just like, man, you, you almost had it. But they refuse to, they refuse to devote themselves to saying anything with this movie, and instead turned it into, like, this, you know, gravitas show of, of blood and guts and glory. And, and titties, and, you know, yeah. And titties and dicks flying around everywhere. Which, you know, fine, I get it, it's a horror movie, it's Freddy vs. Jason. It was it wouldn't also be, a staple of its time. Yeah. And it wouldn't be what we know today, and it wouldn't be, you know, such a, an indicator of, oh, <coughs> oh, sorry. Good burp. Uh, vomited in my, vomited in my mouth. Mm. Uh, <laughs> delicious. But, uh, it wouldn't be a staple of its time, you know, the 2000s, if it wasn't the way that it was. It's just, um, you know, if I were to redo it personally, I would lean into some of that commentary more because there was room for it in this movie, but they didn't dedicate themselves. Exactly. And a big problem. Uh, before I get back to Geb and her character, a big problem that people have with this movie, and I totally understand, 
is that they complain the human characters are very shallow. And I could totally understand that because I remember there were numerous times where Gren and I were watching this together. We understand this movie and we'll look at each other and we'll be like, what the fuck are they even talking about right now? Yeah, what are they What are they fucking saying? What, it, it just comes so fast. And they use the human characters, I think, too much as a vessel for a plot when honestly the plot should have laid on the back of the beast and not, you know, with these guys driving it. They should not have been driving it as much as they were because... If you're gonna have the human characters do that, you at least have to, you know, also devote yourself to making them likable and watchable. Which, again, they almost did. They almost you got there. You had some and good at, actors in there. Yeah. At points, you really wanted to like them, but you just couldn't fully get into it because they, they would take away the those endearing moments. They would take away those humanizing qualities um, and immediately cut to something else, and it, and it really sucked. They also use the characters a lot for exposition, these human characters, and the thing is, and oh, oh my god, oh <laughs> the god. way that they just tell the story. Literally, they would never let you just figure it out for they yourself. They spoon They just like you. assume their they assume their audience was stupid. So in a way, the movie's really condescending. Yeah, for you. and it makes me wonder, like, did they have the characters do that because it, it was a big blockbuster movie? So did they assume a bunch of like randos were fine were coming to see it? And Probably, that, yeah. I mean that would explain it, but you could you could do that in a more elegant way. Like I understand it's like oh, a schlocky yeah. horror movie, but like Jesus Christ! I I always learned in writing classes. You know, I, I studied writing professionally for four years, by the way, which you know makes the way that I speak make no sense. But um, ooh, nice growl. That was a good one. Oh yeah, it's still uh, happening, guys. <laughs> but. Alright, so, yeah, I, I studied writing for four years, and the most important thing they taught me is not to assume that your audience is a bunch of dumbasses. If you treat them like they're intelligent people, you will attract intelligent, introspective people generally to your work. Um, you'll always get some assholes who never, like, who flunked out of English class, who think that they know what they're talking about, and they're, they're like, I think symbolism means nothing, actually. You know, those, those false intellectual types, you're always gonna get them. But it doesn't matter what you're writing, it doesn't matter what you're putting out there, don't talk to people like they're fucking in three. That's rude, and people aren't gonna watch your shit. Exactly. And when people hear these human characters talking like that, they're going to start resenting them because mm -hmm. they're the mouthpieces of that. And, you know, I love Fr I love Freddy. I think Robert England delivered every line perfectly, as he always does. But even Freddy's used his exposition at certain points. Yeah, the fucking beginning of that movie. It's kind it's of so iconic, funny. though, now. It is iconic. Okay, the beginning, I can forgive the, ex the expository bullshit. Um, because you kind of need it for something like this. Uh, I think it would have been way cooler to show it. In some way, at least to show some of it instead of just telling it. But I, I do like the close-up on his bloodshot eyes. and the, It's such an iconic image, you know, him just being like, I'm very naughty. I'm like, what <laughs> did you turn into this thing? I like you. You're better now. I like that... Oh, God, we I gotta get back on the subject. But I like, I like that we kind of hear Freddy telling his side of the story. I think that was really fun, because he's never really gotten to do that before until now. I wonder why. Hmm, <laughs> Maybe it's because he's obnoxious. Yeah, no one wants to listen to him talk. Uh, you know, I don't really like the character, but I'll always laugh when I think about how he was rambling on in part five and Alice goes, God, shut the fuck up. And she like, shoves Ew, like, gross Freddy. Gross. Uh, but uh, I got to get back to talking about Gib, though. And I wanted to discuss, and this is this is a bit of a touchy subject, but this is too important to just skip over it. They use sexual violence as a vehicle in this movie way too a much. Lot. It didn't. None <laughs> of it lot. had to be there. Even even when it didn't make any sense, which it never seemed to. Um, you know, and I'm not I'm not an advocate for censorship of like dark topics. I, I obviously don't think that things that are portrayed as fetishistic or, or romantic or idealized in some way. I don't think taking those topics and putting them out there like that should be encouraged. I think if you do something like that, you should be prepared for people to backlash you and bite your head off because you kind of deserve it at that point. Um, you know, at some point you have to admit that you're not exploring those topics and you're just fucking debauched. But I do think that, like, discussing things like rape, exploring things like sexual violence and harassment and, and the more unpleasant... Uh, aspects of the human existence, I guess. Uh, I, I think that that's I think that that's important. I think we need to not skip over that shit because if we pretend that it doesn't happen, then people are gonna feel like they can't talk about it mm -hmm. when it happens to them. Um, but this movie, like we said, is not tasteful at all, and it happens especially with Gib. Uh, there's just this weird fucking scene where she's passed out in a cornfield and some dude starts groping on her. And she's almost punished for it. Like, there was no reason to 
use that scene to kill her off. And to be fair, if I'm looking at it from a character perspective, I don't think Jason's idea was to kill her. I think it was to kill the guy on top of her, and he just doesn't know his own strength. He was also um, really upset seeing that. Yeah. Uh, for obvious reasons, because mm-hmm. we know we know from, like, Jason Takes Manhattan and other things, sexual violence really upsets Jason. Um, and he, he punishes those people really severely. So I don't think that he meant to kill Gibb, but I think from a writing perspective, you know, out of character, out of the, the whole narrative, um, behind that drawing board, there was no real necessity to either have that scene or have that be the scene where she dies. It's just like, man, can we not, like punish the chick for the sexual violence going on against her. Like, I know that that's not what it was meant to be, but it's how it comes across. It's like, man, that that really was a shitty decision. It was, it was really harsh. And tying back to what I was saying earlier about, like, how they could have had, you know, Catherine Isabel and Robert England banter back and forth. Another thing, and it, and I'm, it, take, it makes sense to tie these things together. I think Freddie only gets one kill in the movie, so why didn't you just let him deal with Gib? If she had to, if she had to die, <laughs> Freddie fucking gets one kill. In this it's movie. funny. It's, so it's funny. pathetic. He's so fucking pathetic next to Jason. He's like, oh, this whole plot is me proving how much of a big fucking man I am and how worthless Jason is. And Freddie can't do shit. Yeah, it is. It is funny. It is very funny. But it's like from like a writing standpoint and like having these two very talented actors on a screen together. Why couldn't you just have Jason take care of the rapist, and then if Gib, if you had to kill her, why not have her, like, put up a fight against Freddy and have them, like, banter back and forth with each other? Yeah, what the fuck? At least give her, like, some kind of exit from this movie that would give her some dignity. It had, it, it stripped her, I think my problem with it is that it stripped her, both in the real world and in the dream world, of all of her dignity and all of her autonomy. It just completely took it away and made her, like, a blubbering mess. And that was nothing like how she was as a personality type in the beginning of this movie. It it failed to write her as a human, and it failed to give her any kind of, like, standoffishness. It failed to give her any kind of self-defense when it really mattered, which I, I just don't like that. I'm not... I'm not saying that every girl in a movie needs to be a final girl, not every girl needs to be a girl boss, and yes, women can die in, in horror movies, fine. Um, but it, it really did not deliver on writing her as just a whole rounded person. Yeah, I just feel like they, they wasted that character and they wasted a very talented actress that they had to portray her. Uh, I will say, I feel like more moving into Laurie who's a character I do have a soft spot for, even though I know a lot of horror fans don't like her. And I can understand why, and I'll get into that too. I feel like they... The actress. Yeah. It's, it's the actress. I'm sorry, Monica Keena. I know you tried. Monica really did her best, but she was just... You know what? At the end of the movie, she was really good. Oh, I yeah. think the, pro- the problem really was that they tried too hard to make her like a sexy love interest girl. And her character, again, just like Gibbs, had a lot more potential than that. Exactly. There, uh, There's a Freddy vs. Jason novelization, and I haven't finished it, uh, but I was able to listen to an audio, like, half of the audiobook I listened to last spring, and I'll finish it eventually, and I remember listening to it and being really just pleasantly surprised by the amount of depth that her character have had, and the way that they probably wanted her to come across, like, I really liked Lori because she was clearly a very she was a very sweet and very compassionate person. Like I feel like um I don't know uh, I don't know if any of you guys have listened to our uh, Nightmare Part Four and Five. We we talked a lot about why the character of Alice didn't work for us and what uh, we thought they were probably trying to do with her and didn't pull off. I feel like that's the, like this sweet quiet girl thing. I know a lot of people are going to probably get really up in arms about this. I bought it more with Lori than I did with Alice, that she was mm-hmm. that type of person. And that really endeared me to her. I thought she was very, like, she was very compassionate. And she had there a lot of pieces, empathy in her. There were pieces of media surrounding this universe, like the novelizations, that did a very good job of um, humanizing these characters in a way that the movie just didn't. Uh, I would say the thing that does it worse than the movie is probably the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comics. Oh my it, god. Uh, there, there was nothing about those that oh. I 
<laughs> I, I couldn't do it. The only scene in those comics that I liked at all, and I'm not going to get into them. I don't even think we should talk about them on this fucking podcast. There's really, nothing because... to say about it no. other than they're gratuitous and disgusting, honestly. It's, it, every, it just completely undermines everything we know about these characters and their relationships to each other in just the worst, most offensive way oh, possible. God. It's like, well, okay. Um, but, yeah, the only th- part of that I liked was when Jason cut that guy into fucking cheese grater pieces with a shopping cart. That was pretty cool. That was cool. And I li- I liked the banter between Freddy. Well, Freddy was bantering, Jason was listening. They had some good bantering moments on Freddy's end every they were now cute. and then. Yeah, they were. They, they had some cute moments. Yeah. Uh, and then they decide, uh, I, I'm not gonna get into what they did to Freddy's no. character, because I'm just gonna get mad. I'm not gonna get into what they did to Maggie. What the fuck <laughs> was that? <laughs> what the, we, we just, I just wanna ask somebody on that writing team, what the fuck was that? I hope, um, I hope, I hope I never find them, because I will actually start fighting them in yeah, real that, life. That, that shit made me wanna throw hands, because that <sighs> just wasn't right. Um, anyway, I think we've exhausted Gibbs' character. She's a wasted character, that's the point. Um, so I think we should talk more about Laurie and how she Laurie. was treated. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? The, why with the Freddy and the constant sexual harassment? I know oh it's a shtick. I know. I okay. I know to an extent that this is shtick. I get it. He's a fucking pervert. Uh, I I I understand this about Freddy Krueger. All right, fine. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't need the whole scene of the the hiking the dress up the thigh. I what didn't the need that. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I, I don't think anybody needed that. And I don't really... It didn't really feel fitting for him as a character because he's he's always been like... He holds a fear over your head. You know, he dangles it. He, he kind of makes you think things are going to happen. But the only thing he really ever delivers on is, you know, sadism and, and brutality and murder. He's not a... He's not a fucking rapist. I mean, I, I know we've established in our Nightmare on Elm Street analyses that we don't think Freddy was a child molester. I, he's not a fucking rapist. And comics and some movies have tried to... Implicate you know, that. Implicate that. And it's like, but the point of him is just that he scares the shit out of you. And it doesn't make it okay, obviously. I'm not saying Freddy Krueger's a sweet little uh, man. No, he's no, not. No. He he's sucks. not. I love no, him. He sucks. He's horrible. Though. He will give you a rape threat, but he he won't fight. He doesn't fucking. What the fuck was that? What the fuck? Was Honestly, that? and it's like God. I remember we had we had a really good discussion about this. I remember after we watched the movie, t- we watched it a couple times together last year, and I remember we had a really good conversation on the phone about the the, the way that they framed like the uh, the attempted yeah. rape scene. It's very it's very gross and creepy. It's almost like they. It's almost yeah. It's almost fetishy, and it, it, it's like man, it's not like um, it's not like Rob Zombie level of rape fetishism, by the way, but it's definitely like too too romantic if i if that makes a sense like i don't want to say that what he was saying was romantic because it wasn't but it was just it was clear sexual aggression and it made her out to be like some shriveling like i whistled there i'm so angry um it made her out to be like some squirming whimpering damsel in distress and he's like hiking up a pretty white wedding dress or something and it's like this and they were like lingering on her legs and her tent yeah and i'm like i'm like are you really gonna fucking sexualize her while this is happening i mean for real you're gonna do that we're just gonna go the whole mile with how bad this is huh exactly and another thing that we talked about, and I don't want to get too much into it because I don't, because I do want to get all my thoughts on Laurie out on, uh, you know, my metaphorical piece of paper. But I really felt like with Freddy's character, he he is a bad fucking person. He's always been a really horrible person. I feel like they they were just taking him way too far at certain yeah. points in this movie. I wasn't a fan of the little girls with the eyes gouged out and thing the comment either. that I, was made I, about uh, them. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm not really into that. I mean, I, I can commit to, I, I personally am a believer in the original script ideas that were tossed around where, you know, there, the idea was that Freddy was framed and we've talked about this pretty extensively, so I'm not going to get too into it, but, you know, I can accept him as a child killer. I can accept him as a general serial killer, but that's what he's, that's what he's supposed to be. That's all he's supposed to be is like a fear demon serial killer thing. And you don't need to, you don't need to drill it in how exactly disgusting and awful you think his character could be. Because honestly, I know that at the time it was like, oh, let's see how many people we can offend. That'll get people coming into the theater seats. But 
it doesn't age well. It really just doesn't age and well. And it really, it, it really hurt Freddy's reputation. I think, like, from a character standpoint, okay. Because I had, we've had conversations about this too. From a strictly character standpoint, I understand, and Robert himself has talked about this in interviews. I understand Freddy was getting really fucking desperate. Like, his power is, like, draining. He's, like, barely, like, clinging to life and shit. And it's making him even more of a cock than usual. I get that. But... I don't know. I think there there were other ways that they could have depicted him as being more vicious without bringing, like, sexual violence and shit into it and framing that sexual violence as, like, titillating. That was just gross. Yeah, I, I don't I don't need that. I Yeah, as me personally and a lot of other people personally for reasons I don't want to get into, I don't want to see that shit. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to see it back then either. But, uh... I'm moving more into her evolution as a person because I don't want this to be the rape scene podcast. No, we've um, talked enough about that. Yeah, it, though admittedly poorly written, the girls are the heart of this story. Um, many of the male characters are admittedly pretty forgettable besides, like, some jokes. Uh, though I will again state that I believe this was more because of the writing and the pacing of this movie, not because of the actors. I, you know, again, Monica Kina, everybody likes to shit on Monica Kina. I understand. I, I get why. I get why... But I don't want to be like, oh, this movie was bad because of her and the other actors. It wasn't. Um, I just, you know, Laurie and Kia, their friendship, from a writing standpoint, are exemplary. You know, Laurie goes from this good girl abuse bait stereotype, as disgusting as that is, into a a fire-slinging final girl, even though they were having her titties bounce all over the place while she did it. And while I think that they could have done with less of that titty bouncing, uh, I, I liked that for her. Yeah, from, like, a a character standpoint, it was really cool. Like, it's really... I will say, I wish that they handled it differently, but it was very rewarding seeing that this poor girl has just been shit all over by everyone in this movie. Freddy's been shitting on her. She's been seeing her friends die. She doesn't understand who Jason is at at first or what he wants. Her dad sucks. Her dad was a horrible person. She, like, she's having, like, trouble... She I didn't, re- I didn't really like the Lorian Wolf relationship, but she's having trouble with her boyfriend and shit. So to see her finally, like, put her foot down at the end and say, like, no, I've had fucking enough of this. And to have her, like, aid Jason and to have Jason aid her, I really like that. I know some people are really mad about Lori's involvement at the end and how, like, Jason wasn't able to take Freddy down on his own, etc., etc., but it was fucking cut to bits. You know, the guy could use a little help sometimes, I think. Exactly. And on the other on the opposite end of that spectrum, people are getting mad at Lori. They're like, oh, she was cowering behind Jason. Imagine you're like an No, she wasn't. Like, okay. No, <laughs> no, she wasn't. Not only that, but it's like, okay, here's the thing. I don't think she was cowering, but when you ha- when you are an 18-year-old girl, you know, and you have this like fucking behemoth and you realize that he can help you. Why the fuck would you fight Freddy Krueger by yourself? You think I'm sorry. If Nancy were in this situation and she saw Jason, I think she would have done the same thing and gone to him for help. My absolute favorite thing is when people are like, "I would have, I would have just, I would kill Freddy Krueger myself." Because it it always reads to me like those fucking like, because they hate her because of that, right? You know, but it's it always reads to me like those fucking twelve year olds on Fortnite servers that sit there and they're like, "If Freddy Fazbear was coming to me, I I kick him in the balls. I I just kick Freddy Fazbear in the balls. He wouldn't he wouldn't chop my head off." And it's just like. You sound like a fucking child. You sound like you have something to prove. How small is your dick that you feel like you need to insult a fictional teenage girl because she saw a a huge man with a fucking machete (laughs) and she decided, you know, maybe he's more capable than I am. Literally, I'm sorry. That is a normal human reaction and a lot of Lori's reactions in this movie were very human reactions. I would have been crying and screaming my head off too. Are people trying to act like they wouldn't hide behind the big man with a fucking machete? Are you are you gonna are you gonna say that? Are you gonna pretend that? Because I think you're lying. Yeah, and people get mad. Oh, she's not Nancy Thompson. No, she's not Nancy Thompson. Nancy Thompson is her own character, and Laurie Campbell is her own yeah. character. Why why the fuck do you want the same character over and over again with the same strengths and weaknesses? If I wanted Nancy Thompson, Freddy versus Jason, I'd rewrite Freddy versus Jason with Nancy fucking Thompson in it. Go do that yourself. Fuck's sake. Exactly. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else we can discuss about Laurie before we get into her relationship with Jason specifically, because that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I wish I'd touch more on that. Another example, I think, of Laurie just being a good and compassionate person, she's understandably very scared of Jason at first, and she doesn't understand what he wants or what's going on. 
But once she sees what happened to him, like once she gets inside Jason's head and she's in his dream with him and she sees him drowning as a child, her attitude towards him really, her, her attitude really shifts. Like she tries to help him out of the water and everything. Well, she was, she was, you know, forced by those circumstances to empathize with him. Uh, and I think that's a really important, you know, notion to remember is that she did not have the easiest childhood either, as indicated by her father's treatment of her. Whoa, princess is scratching at my Hello, door. Hello, princess. Uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know that she didn't have the easiest childhood either. And while I'm sure it was nothing compared to his, uh, it was still like, you know, from one abused kid to another, you see that and she couldn't help but view him as a person then, which it was very hard for the other characters to do and was reasonably very hard for them to understand and listen to when she tried to tell them. Um, but she held very fast to those ideals. She held very fast her own morals there and her own understanding of him as just a scared person like she was. Uh, and she treated him at a point almost like a brother, which was very... You know, it was different. It was different to see him develop a bond with the character wherein he gives her special treatment because she demonstrated to him that she viewed him as equal to her. That was not something you see very often in a slasher film outside of a romantic context, and I don't think there was anything vaguely romantic about Laurie and Jason. I think it was genuinely just, like, human-to-human connection, which in a way is infinitely more special. Yeah, it was very moving, and it's one of those things where things are happening so fast, like, you, you barely process it the first time you're watching the movie because all these limbs are flying around and these two monsters are fighting each other, but when you go back and you watch it, and you really analyze it it's like huh like this is this was a very uh this was very unique and this was very special and it was a really nice way of like developing both jason's character and laurie's character and i think that makes her a very special final girl yeah i think she was a good final girl not because she you know was particularly tough or physically powerful or kicked any kind of ass or anything she did at the end uh within reason yeah, within reason, but she was a very kind, compassionate person, and I would say if we wanted to compare her to Nancy Thompson, that's what they have most alike, is that they, they sincerely, their first instinct is to try and sympathize. Their first instinct is to try and humanize. And uh, it's only when that stops being an option for them that they resort to violence, which, you know, regardless of how good they are at resorting to violence, that really doesn't matter. The point is, their first instinctual reaction to these creatures is not to treat them like beasts no matter how scared they are of them and that is a quality you know in a character that makes me admire them and get invested in them as a protagonist and again you can't really get fully invested in Laurie I understand that uh not with what the movie gives you not with what Monica Kina gave us she tried but the writing just was not good enough it was not solid and well-rounded enough um, to get us fully invested in that character. And I get that. But what I do like about her, I like about her a lot. Oh, hell yeah. And I will say this. I don't know if it's still up. I'm going to plug someone on YouTube who I'm kind of friendly with. We don't talk a lot. I believe his channel is called The Slasher Librarian. I'm very sorry if I said it wrong. We could maybe look him up after we're done recording and put him in the description. He yeah. uploads a lot of old, out-of-print slasher novels, and he'll read them, like novelizations of movies like Freddy vs. Jason. And, you know, I'm hoping everything's still there. But if you guys that guy's are, a real one. That guy's such a real one. He really is. And if you guys are, like, interested in, like, original concepts in this movie, and if you guys, you know, want a deeper look into Laurie's character and some of her friends, I strongly suggest going to his channel and looking up the Freddy vs. Jason audiobook. It's really good. Yeah. I was very surprised by how much I liked it. Oh, man. You know, you know I'm sorry to go back into this so abruptly, but... You know what else was really good with Laurie in uh, Freddy vs. Jason? I really liked her relationship with Kia. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if we were to revamp this in modern day, they should have been the end couple. Um, they had um, Kelly Rowland, who played Kia, and Monica Kina. They had very nice chemistry together. Oh, fantastic. I, I love, you know, I, I wish that Kia had survived the movie. Spoilers, oh, I but. love, I loved Kia. She was probably... I love Laurie to death, but Kia's, like, up there with, like, my favorite human yeah. character from this movie. 
For sure. And her death was bullshit, too. Uh, we'll get into that later. But Laurie and Kia, you know, they had this... I don't have a million sentences to say on this, but I will say that if you were looking for a touching human-to-human dynamic in this movie, um, it's their friendship. It's how they look out for each other, even though they butt heads, even though they disagree on a lot of shit, even though Kia frankly doubts Lori on a lot of things, and understandably so. Um, at the end of it, they stick together. At the end of it, they're tight with each other. They understand each other, and they, they make sure that the other girl is okay. Which, you know, you, you go down swinging for somebody, and it, it doesn't mean nothing. Also, Kia fucking kicked ass, and uh, just so you know, <laughs> the whole thing with Kelly. Oh, God, this topic. <laughs> the whole thing with Kelly Rowland called Robert England a faggot was uh, was not scripted, if I remember correctly. That was Robert's it, real reaction. Yeah, it was Robert's actual reaction. And that's what makes the scene so fucking good. Is because at first I'm like, oh, God, he just said something racist. And I'm like, oh, no, she said something homophobic. It balances it out. Here's the thing. I understand there are some people who find that very offensive. And I understand, but we're very I think it's so funny. Is we're very vulgar people, so we we were we were very we were very tickled. That, uh, I think as, she's allowed. Yeah, she's she has a faggot pass. As as gay people, we are allowed to think it's funny when this character who was treated in a racist way flings some homophobia back. She's allowed to do that in our listen, opinion. Listen, girl. Listen, girl. I fucking get it. I understand. He was also, acting like a faggot. He was. He was. He was was coming at it with the limpers and everything. Oh shit! Sorry. For for the first time, listeners, I'm sorry. We're like this. This is just our personalities. Oh my god. We don't mean any harm. We're just kind of. Carling's allowed to. Carling's allowed to say that because they said so. (laughs) I'm allowed to say it to Grendel. I wouldn't go. I'm not going to be slinging that at every gay man that I meet. Slur discourse is fucking stupid oh, anyway. Oh, God. Um, okay, anyway. Ugh, fags aside. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kia. Kia, because we're on Kia now. Right, okay, sorry. I had fag brain for a second. <laughs> um, so does Freddy, constantly. <laughs> Can't wait to talk it, about that. Yeah, well, we'll be talking about that, believe me. Um, so Kia is a black character. Obviously, I'm not a black person. I don't have that much. Oh, dog, stop barking. Fuck! Uh, Kia is a black character. I have a lot to say about her being painted as, like, this bad, mean person for insecurity that, you know, a many, an insecurity that many black women have that is ultimately a product of this very, uh, Eurocentric, beauty standard, normative society. Whatever, that's a collection of words that'll make sense in some arrangement. She wanted a um, nose job, and I yes. thought, and she should never have had she's to worry straight, about it. She's she's putting relaxers in her hair. She's straightening her hair, if that was her hair, you know, if it was her, actually her real hair. Um, she's dyeing her hair red. Yeah, which is this neg- There's just this negative manifestation of the of this, which is just largely beyond her control. It's she's trying to get rid of her her black features. She's trying to get rid of her natural hair, her the broadness of her nose and and shit like that. And I'm pretty sure the magazine she was flipping through, if I remember correctly, was even talking about like skin whitening techniques. And it's just like, dude, you know, I don't understand why this movie had to go there and be like, oh yeah, she's a shallow materialistic bitch who cares too much about her appearance for that. Because it's like, no, I I think that that's a legitimate reality that a lot of people have to fucking go through when they're born with a certain set of features that aren't accepted as beautiful by these very white Western standards. It's like, that's not her fucking fault. A lot of black women go through that. It doesn't make her a bitch. No, and a big problem with the movie, even though she was very likable and endearing, and I do think we were meant to like her they tried to paint these things as like character flaws rather than something we should sympathize with her over like that i i I, you know i was talking about the novelization and i'm gonna say really quick before i forget the one thing i think the novelization does that really pisses me off laurie is painted in a very good light they do not they basically i'm gonna be real the the book treats kia in a very racist way and i oh yeah because laurie's the pretty innocent white girl and kia is obviously the mean materialistic black girl who's trying too hard to be white and it's just like man no (laughs) fuck no no and then the way that it kills her is fucking ridiculous she finally stands up against somebody who's tossing some of that bullshit at her and and she gets fucking smacked around into a tree for it it's like that didn't 
That didn't have to happen. Also, like, I understand, you know, Jason, Jason is a very rough person. Jason, how would Jason know how to treat anything but, like, little animals no. gently? But, like, to, I, I don't think it was justified to have Jason, like, throw her the way that he did. Like, I feel like Jason might have shoved her out of the way, but I don't think he would have swung his fucking machete at her. People might argue, like, oh, he was offended that she was talking about his dick. I, I'm not saying Jason is stupid, but do you really think Jason, like, understood what she was even talking about? Like, like, okay, okay, to be fair, he does understand what people talk about his dick. Okay, um, fair he, enough. In, in Jason X, in Jason X, there are two people fucking next to his autopsy table on the spaceship, and one of them's like, oh, I bet he's a fucking mammoth, and he gets so pissed off at that that he wakes up from the dead and fucking Okay, kills you know what? Relatable. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I understand that. I understand that argument. I don't necessarily even disagree with that argument, but I do think that... Again, not from a character standpoint. They're fake. They're not real. I understand this. Uh, from a writing standpoint, kind of shitty. Pretty shitty. Actually, really shitty. Everything about the way Kia was treated up to her death was pretty fucking shitty. Except for her friendship with Lori. And even then, in novelizations, not painted very well. The contrast between those two. I'm also gonna say really quick, because this gets me really heated. I... I, I mean, they handle his character a little bit better in the book, as they do for most of the human characters, but that character, that little nerd Linderman, I don't remember the name of the actor who played him, I'm sorry. The the fact that we're supposed to side with him when he's, like, ranting at yeah, Kia about fuck? what a bitch she is. Uh, you're such a bitch because I hate women and I go on the brain cell sub- that's all I could hear when he talked. And then they're like, oh no, it's romantic because he secretly has a crush on her. That's why he's a racist white uh, boy. It's like, I don't, I don't fucking buy that shit for a second. Shut up. Shut the fuck up, Lindemann. You look like you need to be shoved into a fucking locker. Seriously. That, I had no sympathy for him. I was rolling my fucking eyes at the end when they tried to give them, like, a tender moment. Like, I don't care. He's racist. He treated her like he's shit. A, he's a piece of shit little white boy. Why the fuck do I care? Yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, Kia deserved better. Kia deserved better. I did like, on a more tender note, uh, back to Laurie for a second, uh, I like that, that sort of eye contact that she made with Jason when he was, you know, sinking, where it almost seemed like he was telling her that it was okay, and it almost seemed like she was understanding that he wouldn't be gone forever, because as he sunk, that was framed so far. What the fuck is that noise? Oh, that's my- we have an old fridge. This house was made in, like, fucking 1978 or some shit. I'm surprised it's not haunted. Knock on oh, wood. Is the- is the fridge made in fucking 1978? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if it was an ancient fridge. I wouldn't be surprised if something was, like, living in my fridge, honestly. You got special little bits and bottles and life forms and ecosystems developing in there. I do! Anyway- <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I just, I like that, that peaceful moment, um, between her and Jason. Uh, because even the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comics, for as bad as they are, even they acknowledge that there was a special bond, and they bastardized this, but there was a special bond between Jason and Lori. It wasn't just meant to be read as nothing, it wasn't just meant to be pretty, you know, camera work, it was supposed to communicate that there was some kind of thing that developed between them where they, they had... They, there was a friendship. There was a love there, in a way. Um, and As much as cynic- they could have had a love for each other in their circumstances. Yeah. However cynically that this was later acknowledged and treated, uh, Lori was different because she tried to save Jason when nobody else would. And he recognized that, and he treated her differently because of that. Which is very sweet. And it's a bond that Jason, as a character, has only gotten to have with Leatherface in another only semi-canonical to non-canonical thing um, in their crossover comics before. Whoa, that's a loud car. Uh, though Jason, car. <laughs> Though Jason and Laurie's friendship is not, like, nearly as romantically implicative as uh, Jason and Bubba's interactions were. If you haven't read Jason vs. Leatherface, that's a whole other fucking thing. We could make a whole episode about that and about There's that a relationship. Rose. There's a rose involved. They're holding hands and shit. I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. We're not making um, it up. It really happened. No, it happened. It was gay. Uh, speaking of sexual tension between men, oh my my favorite part of this movie, and our final point, if I'm not mistaken... Yeah, because um, we might talk about this for a hot minute. Oh, yeah. All right. It was almost definitely the whole Freddy and Jason towing the line between fighting and fucking thing that was going on. Uh, because everybody I've talked to who's watched, who's watched this movie, especially gay people... Uh, they always seem to be like, yeah, that was a weird dynamic, wasn't it? Because it's just like, 
their dynamic was so fucking extremely sexually charged, and it fucking rules, man. Like, the jerk-off motion, the hip-thrusting, the inherently penetrative nature of how Freddy invades Jason's deepest thoughts and fears. He sticks his fucking little knife in his head. I wish they that. framed that better, but yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I wish he wasn't a kid when he did that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's good that they let us root for Jason by J- making Jason a more cohesive, rounded character. But uh, even their final battle is shot, paced, and framed the way that sex scenes are, if that makes any sense. If you go back and watch it, that use of, like, the long camera shot, the slow pace, the very... The very focused emphasis on things going in and out of bodies. Um, it, there's just this splatter of fluid and the writhing against each other as they tear each other apart. The motive of fire on water standing as a representation of this very intimate, primitive struggle. It's really wet. It's really hot. It's really fucking hot, and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, what, what I God, what I could cover with these two, because I really do love this relationship. It's probably one of my favorite dynamics in horror, period. Um, the movie becomes really funny to me. I'm just going to start from the beginning. Uh, the movie becomes very funny to me when you realize Jason doesn't even understand who this man is or why he's mad yeah. at him. It's <laughs> Their rivalry is actually quite one-sided in the beginning. <laughs> Jason's like, there's this fucking rat that keeps gnawing on the wires in my house, and I don't know why. <laughs> Literally, like, Jason Jason thinks that his fucking mother is talking to him and shit, because that's how Freddy starts interacting with him. He, he pretends to be Pamela Voorhees, and he's like, Jason, go kill, go kill these teenagers, Jason. Careful, mommy. Yeah, so Jason's like, alright, because that's what he's fucking used to. So he goes and he starts doing that because, you know, that's what he thinks he's supposed to be doing. And he's getting legitimately pissed at some of these kids because some of them are genuinely terrible people, like Gib's boyfriend. And, you know, Freddy's getting all mad behind the scenes, like, oh my god, he's taking my kills. I love that Freddy orchestrates this fucking problem, makes the problem for himself, and then he's like, clearly this is Jason's fault. Literally, and Jason doesn't even know who he is. Like... Jason's fucking confused. He just woke up from a fucking coma, man. Literally, I remember, like, the scene where, like, they first officially meet each other in in Freddy's boiler room. Like, I remember, I'm trying to, how, trying to remember how, okay, Jason got, I believe Jason got knocked out because Freddy possessed someone and knocked him out. It's been a minute since I watched the movie. And, and Jason, you know, Jason's being given these commands like, oh, go here and do this, go do that and shit like that. And all of a sudden, this burnt little man is, like, sidling up to him and, and saying shit like, oh, you've been a thorn in my side for too long, or whatever it was he was saying oh, to you're him. you're a naughty, you're like a, you're like a stupid dog. It's like, what, dude? Yeah, it was very, like, sec- very sexualized yeah, comments it was, it towards was, it was, him. It was really, like, leather daddy at a BDSM bar comments, and it, it was just fucking, that seems, it was so uncool. Yeah, god, we have a fucking character, we like a lot of bastards who talk to other people oh, that yeah. way, don't uh, we? Like, just to be clear, I love Freddy Krueger. I think he's a horrible little man, but he's my human pet. Yes. <laughs> and God, it's like, Freddy's like coming up to him and like, basically he's, he's basically, the way I, the, if I were Jason, I would be looking at Freddy and I'd be thinking to myself, you are making sounds. These aren't words to me. Like, I don't understand who you are. I don't understand why you're so angry. And I think an important thing to acknowledge is that Jason, he, he was trying to understand what was going on. Freddy struck first, and then Jason had to start defending himself, because what else was he supposed to do? It's like picking up a hamster that wants to be pet, and then it just starts biting the shit out of you. Like, okay, then what the fuck? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have, like, the, the most... Uh, I don't have the most intricate commentary to make on this. All I have to really say is go back and watch their fight scenes. <laughs> because I, it's not subtle, dude. It's just not. The fucking, you know, he's looking at him and he's going, ear, ear, with his hand. And I'm like, okay, well, you want to jerk him off. We get it. We understand. Can we also talk about the scene where, like, Freddy, like, swings his leg up and he, he kicks Jason in the balls and it makes, like, a clang yeah. sound? <laughs> Jason's fucking iron nuts. Oh my god. I, I like it. I like didn't he hit him in the nuts and then it hurt him? Yeah, and then he was like, oh! <laughs> Jason didn't even react. Fucking character development. I remember in part two, Jason got hit in the balls and fucking crumpled. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't affect him anymore. I'm thinking of, like, because I know uh, back when we first watched it, I had a lot to say about them, so I'm just trying to, like, remember, like, old conversations between us. Um, I don't... 
Do you have anything to say? Because I don't want to be sitting here in silence, because I know myself. Dude, no, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm fucking, like, pulling out my eyebrow hairs and staring at them right now. Um, yeah, you like that? You like that shit? You like that? That's delicious. You want to eat one of those? No, I really, I really don't. I'm you de- want a little I'm, snack? No, I, no, I want to talk to, no. Baby want jelly? No. Baby hey, need hey, jelly? hey, monkey want a cookie? Monkey wants to cook. Monkey, monkey wants to cook. Okay, sorry. We're having a spawn moment. There was a whole thing in That's the spawn issue. That's an inside issue. joke between us. Yeah, now. There, there's a whole thing in the spawn issue where uh, Violator has his his resident bottom next to him, and he's like, "Yeah, you're a good little monkey, aren't you? Monkey want a fucking cookie." And Wind's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so honestly, I you know I want to compare the relationship to Freddy and Jason's, yeah. but like Jason's not as much of a bitch. No, no, Jason's more of a top. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, I, see, that's the takeaway here is that uh, Jason Voorhees is a top. That's the whole point. Of and Freddy is a Jason. bottom bitch. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of Freddy versus Jason. Actually, was just to tell us that. Yeah, and, and, and we could read it as like some kind of like sexual awakening for both characters or some what shit. What if it was? What if that? What if it was just like a big metaphor for Jason finally going through puberty and realizing he's gay? I I could absolutely see that. See the movie being read that way. Yeah. And I think there's an actual analysis to be done there that I don't want to make right now, but I think that that's a whole thing. It's a, it's a fucking thesis paper you could hypothetically write. And I'm trying, I had another point about Freddy. Queerness, queerness and womanism and Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> I mean, you could write it if you really wanted you, to. You could. Wasn't that 2003? That, that was 2003, out? that movie. Oh my, how okay. the fuck is this movie almost 18 years old? This movie's almost 20 years old. I don't know what month that came out, but I was either three or four. Oh my god, I would have been eight, seven or eight Ew. when that came out. I know. Ew. I know. Ew. I'm old. Ew. I'm older than I look. Ew. I swear to god I had another point about these two characters. Oh, I think I remember what it is. Uh, really, uh, if, if you, if I'm allowed to be very gay for a second here, because they're, uh, and unless they make more movies in the series, you know, God, poor Jason is, like, trapped, has been trapped in a fucking court battle for years, but, you know, depending on what happens to the Nightmare on Elm Street canon, and depending on what happens to the Friday the 13th canon, and whether or not they're rebooted when we do, uh, hopefully eventually get more of those movies... We don't know what happened between Freddy and Jason after the credits rolled because it's heavily implied like they're still going to be around each other and fighting each other and shit. We don't we don't know where that went. Fucking we ro- fucking robot chicken sequence of them like going getting married and going on honeymoon. And shit. <laughs> I feel like I feel like somebody's done that. Um, I mean, that's all I have to say about this movie is that it's gay and it could have treated its women better. Yeah, I feel bad because I swear to God I had, like, a whole, like, speech planned about Freddy and Jason, but I feel like a lot of that is, like, interpretive and we mostly just wanted to talk about the text of the movie. And and we'll talk more about it probably if we, if and when we ever cover, um, because we want to, New Nightmare. Uh, if, if we're gonna cap off our Nightmare on Elm Street talk, I think we should end it with that, because New Nightmare is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, but I it's love one that of, movie. It's one of those, like, again, semi-canonical things, like Freddy vs. Jason is, where we kind of want to save- we wanted to save it until after we talked about the main stuff. Um, I'm gonna miss but, talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, we, we, we ain't never gonna go through four and five, though. No. I mean, we already did- as much as we could for those movies anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a lot to say about those. Uh, the only the only additional thing that I have to say about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 is that I know somebody personally who had a, who has a really weird fetish for being transformed into a cockroach and tortured because of that one uh that one scene where the the Debbie girl gets transformed into a cockroach and then s- squished. Oh, I do I do have one final thought for now, and I could technically say this for New Nightmare, but I'm gonna say it now. I'll say it. Yeah. Robert, as men as many issues as I had with some of Freddie's characterization in this movie, Robert I think this is one of Robert's best performances is Freddy Krueger and Freddy oh, vs. Jason. Ken did a fantastic job as Jason too. I know that Kane wishes that he had been in that movie and that he would have done a lot of things differently. Um but you know, Ken Kersinger is, is a phenomenal Jason in and of himself, and I, I really hope that Kane Hodder does not hold any animosity towards him, which I don't think he does. I think they like each other fine, but, um, you know, I I just... 
can you're so tall and big and i i remember he's even, canadian too yeah i remember even robert england was like i have a hot hard canadian man drinking me under the table outside of the recording the time filming like, of this, hello the filming of this movie sounded like it was so much fun just based I wanted on... to hang out with them. I want to go to a bar with these guys and just see what they have to say. Yeah, and I will say, just on the topic of Robert and his very phenomenal acting, in my opinion, it, it really... Okay, I this is more of an opinion thing. Do you think this was a good curtain call for Freddy, or do you think Robert should have had one more movie after this? Okay, well, if you're asking me that, I'm always going to be biased, and I'm always going to say that, you know, Robert Englund should have been... In another Freddy movie, because I would have loved another one. At least uh, one or two more. You know, the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash treatment was actually promising. Not the comics, but the treatment for the actual film. I met the artist who did the, the perspective art for that, by the way. He's a real asshole. Really? Um, he, yeah, he was at CollectiveCon, um, and, and when I, which I went to in Jacksonville the other weekend. Fucking dick, dude. I didn't like that guy. Oh my god. <laughs> really, really kind of a fucking dick. But, uh, I'm not gonna name drop. You can look him up if you want. But, um, yeah, so, whatever. I wanted to buy the print, and he was just so fucking mean about it. I'm like, oh, shit, I'll fucking leave. Yeah, uh, go lose your fucking business then if you're gonna be a dick. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I'm not, I'm not gonna buy your fucking shit now. But, um, yeah, so, anyway, I think that that treatment would have been a promising send-off for him. You know, with it would have made more sense to... Yeah, but, Freddy was like dead, dead yeah, at the end dead. of that treatment. He dead was not going to come back, which is kind of he was kind of sad. But the thing, it would have been nice to get like a definitive end for Robert's Freddy. I think yeah. I would have I would have liked that as the ending better. But as an ending, Freddy versus Jason isn't that bad. I think I do kind of I I will say Freddy versus Jason is fun. The open endedness of it is nice. Like you know, you kind of get the impression. This isn't the end of their rival their rivalry. This is the start of something that's going to go on for a long, yeah. long time, and we don't necessarily and, have to see it. And you know what? I love Robert England as Freddy, but even just on YouTube, I've seen a lot of people who play phenomenal Freddy Kruegers who I would love to see in a professional role as Freddy Krueger. Um, so it's not like the rivalry cannot be continued with the talent that is out there. There are plenty of people that can play Jason, and there are actually plenty of people that can play Freddy. Oh yeah, you just got to find the right guy, and they're they're yeah. out there. You people need to stop fixating on celebrities and look at fans who have yeah. like studied this character for years and years. Fans who love them and and have put a lot of effort into perfecting their characterization and their costuming. I mean, those people deserve a lot more respect than they're given. Honestly, sometimes I think like you know I've joked around with you that you know you have acting experience and you're very you're you, you God you can do this thing with your face and you can make your eyes go <laughs> dead and shit. Maybe we should have you in a Freddy. Show film or something. I would love that. I would love to play Freddy. I have the appropriately pale skin and red hair for it. Yeah, exactly. And you have the gloves. Yeah, I, I think it's on. Gloves. I think you put it on our Instagram. I did. I um. I should do more. Uh, do more photo shoots with that thing. Please. I. People. Oh my god. We were supposed to go to. I. What was it? This. It was this convention in Orlando. We were supposed to go together either last spring or last summer. We might. We might go next fall. We might yeah. be there together next fall we at hope an LGBT so. at an LGBT panel. If anything, I will be there. Yeah, it really depends for me, like, what the COVID situation is. Is it, like, is it really bad? Am I going to be vaccinated? Will I be able to, like, get on the plane and afford my tickets and shit? We'll see. It's it's a ways away. We'll figure it out. We'll keep you guys posted on that. I have a couple different cosplays uh, that I'm hoping to do. Like, I'm... Oh, I might... I'm going to be I'm gonna be chilling in that booth as Jeepers Creepers, man, for sure. I, I am considering either Art the Clown or he's not necessarily horror, but I do really like him. I might do Violator from Spawn, maybe. What do you mean he's not horror? Have you fucking read Spawn? I think we've been reading. So this is what we've been what we've been doing in our downtime lately. We've been reading Spawn together. So a yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, I just blew through about a hundred issues. Oh last night. my god, I <laughs> I was on. Okay, guys, I was on issue fucking forty one, and this man he somehow he ended up on what issue like. 127 in like I, I, a day? I'm, I'm done at 135. Okay. I, think. I know. Or 139. I'm not quite sure. I know yeah. I'm like at 140. Almost. Oh, I got I got I got to spend like a day just catching Dude, up. Dude, trust me. There's like 60 issues that aren't worth it. Uh, you might, you might need to tell me what arcs aren't and aren't worth it. 
Um, um, okay, so when Sam and Twitch and Angela are gone, just skip to 119. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that's about all I can tell you. Yeah. And for those of you listening who are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? We're going to do some episodes on it eventually. I will say now, if you're interested in, like, like fucking dark fantasy and, like, horror and, like, anti-heroes and shit, you're probably going to enjoy it. They're available to if read you, online. If you liked Freddy vs. Jason, you'll probably like Spawn. Yeah, honestly, like, there's a lot of homoerotic, like, rivalries and shit in that series. Spawn is probably the most bisexual piece of media I've ever read in my life. Literally, and if you, if you like Freddy Krueger, you're probably gonna like Violator. Honestly, the the shitty little clown guy. Yeah, the shitty little gay, the shitty little homosexual clown. Yes. Um, do we have anything else we want to add besides talking about what we've been up to lately? Motherfucker, no. I don't know shit. I don't fucking talk about anything. If I'm not not on this podcast, I don't say shit. I mean, we talk a lot. Yeah, we do. You're the only person I talk to. Yeah, we talk to... We're both both pretty antisocial people. Like, I have, like, a couple people that I talk to and, like, Ren, and that's about it. Oh, man. Yeah, well... Speaking of talking, I think we should probably stop here. Yeah, because we're Wrap just we're up. gonna start going on about nothing. We're not ta- we ain't talking about Freddy versus no. Jason anymore. We're just no, talking no, about no. us. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason topic ended about ten minutes ago. Um, anyway, thank you-, you all for tuning in. Uh, what do you want to say? Oh, all I was gonna say is, uh, we're, we've set our piece, but as is true for any topics we discuss on our podcast, if you guys have any opinions on Freddy vs. Jason, if you're cur- if you have questions for us about certain things in the movie, about those characters, just drop us a line, and we'll be happy yeah. to talk more about it. Hit us up, it's always cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm done, I've exhausted myself. Me too. Uh, I, I, it's been an hour. We're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go cut this audio up and uh, upload it. And if you feel like dropping us a like or a comment or subscribing or you know whatever, whatever you're listening on, I don't fucking know what the system on Spotify is. Uh, do that. Bye. Yeah, we'll be back soon, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, when we say that, it's gonna take three months. We'll, we'll be back when we're back. We'll be back when we're back. Bye bye. See ya. All right. And okay. I'm done. Right.